0: Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo, on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo.
1: Welcome in to Hoist the Colors on a Thursday on 94.3 The Game. It is a basketball game. And football edition of the show here as we're going to recap an unfortunate loss inside Menji's Coliseum. The men dropping their first game of the season to the USC upstate Spartan. Disappointing loss. And unfortunately for ECU fans that have followed this program a long time, a little too familiar. Losing to a team the Pirates honestly probably shouldn't to shouldn't lose to this early in the season. We'll get into that and more with Casey Romaley, who is in studio, will also be joined. By Mark Yellock, former ECU defensive line coach. Later in the program to preview the Navy game, Kason is with us. By the way, we're live on YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching our morning stream, uh, if we're if you're listening on the radio, we uh, pre-taped this morning due to some uh, things happening. But Kason, have you gotten over last night's game? Were you still kind of surprised with how it went down?
2: I've I've swallowed the pill now. I'm over it now after I watched it back last night and did some did some analysis myself and took some takeaways. But, I mean, it's just, as we talked to sports, it's just the same thing the last three games. It's just the defense. I mean, for a team that harps on defense so much, to give up 61 to a D3 team in your first game, and then Campbell, you played better, but still someone had 35 against you. And then last night, Upstate comes up here and puts up 83 on you. I mean, that just should not happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's... They, they kind of have to reevaluate. I think some things defensively, whether it's rotations, personnel, but there's been s- some major uh, major problems on that end for a team that wants to be defensive oriented. And I, you know, you rewatched the game last night. Uh, Props to for that. You, I guess, you always do that uh, to kind of really get a feel for what went wrong. And you know, we've had several comments online, but also watching it live, you could just tell. Look, first of all, I do want to credit Upstate, and I'm not trying to be like coach speak here. I was honestly impressed by them. They shot the ball well. They, If ECU left them open, which they did several times, they more often than not made it. They made their free throws. ECU did not. They came in ready to play. They had already played at South Carolina, already played at Vanderbilt. They led Vandy at the half, didn't finish it there. They probably came into this game thinking, all right, we've been in this spot before. If ECU gives us a chance, we're going to finish. ECU gave them that chance, but uh, a lot of it started by giving up too many easy baskets defensively. Yeah, 100%. And,
2: I mean, uh, this can be seen all around the country when smaller teams come in to bigger programs and they come in with a nothing-to-lose mentality and they're going to come in and they're going to punch you in the mouth quick. And that's what happened last night. And in post game, R.J. Felton basically said it, that we basically did not treat them with the, with the most respect RJ said, Well, we coming into this game, we didn't think of them, oh, USC Upstate, good, good team, da, da, da. He basically said, We need to have better preparation. Both of them, Ezra and RJ, both said, When I think it was you asked them, was like, What led to this? And they were like, We need to be better in executing our preparation. And it just goes to show that you can't, in college basketball, anyone can beat anyone. It's not like college football where the talent level, yes, there's a big disparity, but in college basketball, You can lose on any given night to
1: anyone and this is a bad loss man i don't think usc upstate's a, a a terrible team uh they went to the cbi last year i think finished two games under 500 they were around 250 in the net it's not as bad as last year's south carolina state loss. they they ended up finishing the year four and 26 and were i think very much near the bottom the very bottom of the country and i don't think it'll end up being that bad of a loss but it's a bad loss for a team for me I was hoping, Kaysen, that with the guys returning this year, you have your core back, you could avoid an early season loss like this. But unfortunately, it happened. ECU almost found a way to overcome it due to some heroics from R.J. Felton and also from Ezra Sar, both guys finishing career highs. Of course, the big story, uh, Brandon Johnson not available due to illness. We do not know how long he will be out. And so if you have Brandon Johnson, you win the game. But you should be able to win this game even without Brandon Johnson.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you basically you basically said it right there is how with this core coming back, you should feel confident. If you would have told me at 6 o'clock yesterday, Ezra would have a career-high 24 and Archer would have 33, I would say, oh, we won by probably 15, 18 points. But when you look at the rest of the box score, I mean, look, Quentin. Quinton was the third leading scorer with nine points, and he was zero for five from three, four for nine, and open looks, and open looks, and also the worst part about Quinton's were four of his looks, four of his shots were in the last four minutes of the game, including
1: that last game winner. That was, and they were all there. I mean, and, you can question whether you want him taking the shot versus RJ. But this team needs Quentin or Ben Bailey to step up, and we talked about going into the season. Case in the wing position, you're going to have to get some production there. Or Jaden Walker. I still think Jaden's more comfortable in the point. He, you know, he did give you eight and five last night, but he also had some bad turnovers early in the game. Doesn't look as comfortable off the ball as we saw him last year. So there, there's just some things they got to work out early on. Figure out where guys are most comfortable. If you're not gonna have BJ for a while, figure out how you're gonna have to manage that, especially defensively. What did you notice on the on the rotations? Look, this is mainly a switching defense. ECU likes to be versatile, and that's why you kinda have you don't really have a true big, especially when it's Ezra in the paint. And, and you know, last night Val started at the five, who's far from a traditional big. So that should allow you to, to be versatile and switch and guard you know smaller lineups. But ECU struggled throughout the night last night trying to switch and get way too many drives. So what did you notice there when you rewatched the game?
2: Well, the first thing I noticed was when Val was on the floor, they weren't switching as much, which means every time a boxer even come up, you have you have to say stay, stay, stay. And during and during that conversation, that quick conversation, sometimes the USC upstate guard would get a step and get a drive to the basket. And, and I mean, I I I counted last night when I rewatched the game back. They had 10 clear drives to the basket without a contest. 10, 10 times 2 is 20, which is unreal. And then when Val was off the floor and they put in Quentin or Ben at the 4 and then at Ezra at the 5, they would switch everything. They would switch everything. Right. But, I, and, but also, it's okay for a team against a team like USC upstate because they're not going to have some real size where it's going to where it's going to bother you so with it was basically wings on wings last night when they were doing that but there just needs to be communication and so many times on the drive the, the help defender on the back side was not paying attention and and that just goes to show about Brandon being that vocal leader as you saw on the sideline last night screaming out the screaming out the defensive keys but when Brandon Johnson is not in that middle and even when he's in for Ezra Ezra's in the middle when Brandon's out there Ezra's Ezra's in the corner on the wing. Brandon's in the middle orchestrating it all on defense, and it showed last night him not being there really, really hurt this team
1: defensively as Upstate scores 83. Communication is such a big part of defense, and I agree, yeah. I mean, it's it's something that they're going to have to find a way to improve. Also, rebounding last night, you give up 13 offensive boards to a smaller USC Upstate team. I don't think that happens if Brandon Johnson's in the game. So, and uh, it's just, it's disappointing because it, you know, it's just a game you shouldn't have lost, but it can serve as a, a wake-up call because, you know, I was saying before the show, Casey, if you find a way to win this game, maybe it, it it covers up some of the issues we've seen early and, you know, they're the coaches are going to emphasize the problems. Look, I'm not saying that it changes the coach's philosophy. I think when you lose a game as a player and with that final shot not going in from Quentin or the putback from Ezra not going in, when you lose and in my opinion you get embarrassed in a game like this that becomes a wake up call as opposed to if you find a way to win maybe you kind of sweep it under the rug you don't take it as serious so my my biggest thing from here is it could go two ways is this a sign of things to come for ECU or is this the wake up call the whole team needs to step up and kind of course correct here you know last year they lost that South Carolina State game and it was an embarrassment but they learned from it and they didn't have really another embarrassing loss like that.
2: I mean, you just hit the you just hit the nail with the hammer right on the nail, and I mean, it just depends how they respond. And I'll also say this: I do think that if that Quentin shot goes in, yes, they're feeling better a little bit, but I mean, they're still I Schwartz mean, is still killing them. Schwartz still killing them, and 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 I think he would have the same message even if that shot went in. In my personal opinion, I mean. You just can't give 83 to USC. I've said it four or five times now. It's just you can't do it when nearly every pillar of your program is built on defense.
1: I agree, and it's something they're going to have to figure out. Yeah, so They lost the South Carolina State game last year, rebounded to beat Campbell, lost to UNCW in a bad game on the road, but then beat Coppin, beat South Carolina, beat High Point, and uh, you know ended up. Competing with Temple before beating Wichita State on the road, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think this team is mature enough to to handle the issue and uh, the issues from last night and learn from it. They'll get today off from practice uh, per NCAA rules, and they'll, they'll return to uh, to the to the court on Friday and Saturday. We'll get into kind of the upcoming MT a little bit, but we'll continue to diagnose this thing here. And look, two games in. Or three games in, I still think this has a chance to be a good team if you can get all the pieces on the court. Like you're, if Brandon Johnson's healthy, Casey, you have three guys that any night can go off for thirty points or twenty-five plus for sure with Ezra, Sar, R.J. Felton, Brandon Johnson. You take one of those guys away, and there is a major drop off right now. Like I like the really the, the top five guys: Ezra, Sar. Brandon Johnson, R.J. Felton, Bobby Pettiford, Jaden Walker, I feel good about. Clinton DeBoone, we've seen flashes. So maybe your top six guys you feel pretty good about. After that, I don't have a real confidence in, in the consistency of these guys are going to score points on a consistent basis. That, that's what worries me is you're a player or two away from not being the team you want to be. I'm not trying to be
2: too harsh here, but for me, outside of Brandon, R.J., and Ezra, I don't know who else can give me ten points a night. I mean, you look at, I mean, coming in all these expectations for Bobby, and I mean, I said it a couple of times even off season. I am like, look, Bobby needs to prove to me he can score. And last and last night he had ample opportunities. What what was he from the floor? one of seven? He was one of seven from the floor, and one of them was a three. So every and all of his other shots were in the paint, in the paint area, and I mean, Bobby just. I think Bobby needs to step up and Bobby needed to step up last night and sadly and sadly he didn't. And then since he didn't step up, Jaden got put in that role a little bit last night and he looked the worst. He's looked, I think, in an Easter uniform last night. And then Ben Baela played really bad last night too. I mean, he missed the wide open layup. He was he him and Quentin on defense last night were very, very out of sorts. I mean, I watched it back last night and most of the drives were on Quentin and Ben it's just like just they're Closeouts were not there. When they, would, when they would close out to the ball, they would sometimes hesitate, go for the pump fake, and it was just an easy drive to the basket. And also, Schwartz said it last night, they're big. I think it was on Pinedo or Sear. I mean, he caught it at the top of the, top of the key and drove to the basket. They're big. They're five men. And as Schwartz said, that just
1: cannot happen. And it's not like he's some great athlete. I mean, he's a solid player. You can tell he's an experienced guy, crafty. But you can't, yeah, you can't let that happen. Just too many things last night. I mean, the film review for this game for the guys is going to be not fun because there are going to be a lot of things to pick apart here. Uh, early in the game, I honestly thought for the first time in a while, just the effort wasn't great. A lot of lackadaisical play offensively and defensively and and. Sometimes you can get away with that. If you're a really good team, ECU is right now still not good enough to just show up and roll the ball out there and think they're going to beat teams like, uh, like this. And that kind of shows you're going to have to bring it every night. And it starts on the defensive end. And until, you know, as much as they hit, hit home on the defensive stuff and uh, Schwartz continues to preach it, until the players fully buy into that every possession is life or death defensive mentality, Like like when I watch Houston, which Houston is the pinnacle of defense. I mean, those guys are just incredible, and they've got dominant athletes. So it's it's an unfair comparison. But when I watch the Houston Cougars, every possession is like life or death if they're on defense. Like if you if they give up a basket, Kelvin Sampson looks like he's going to have a stroke. And that's like that's kind of the mentality they want to get to here, and I just don't see it yet. Like until the players fully embrace that. Yes, and
2: also to your point about Houston, I do. I think I mean, they're that, just unreal, and I do think <laughs> that if there is a defensive breakdown, uh, Samson will ring one of their next necks. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But also, I'm also yes, I agree. Defense, defense, defense. But also, I just want to say we've been talking about ECU, but also props to Upstate for taking it, yeah. for taking advantage of it. I mean, I mean, I watched the game last night. I've said that, and they had eight. Eight of eight of their nine threes were open looks, were great looks. They only had one three that was like, whew, like that's not a great shot. And then the and then the drives of the basket and they were scoring off turnovers. I mean, cause e, cause ECU early was just poor passes, poor passes, poor passes. And they weren't even hard passes. Like like they weren't pushing any windows. I'm I'm talking coming coming up the floor, passing, it's five feet. Behind Ezra, probably passes behind Ezra, and they just and they just look at each other like what? And then Jaden and then Jaden Walker passes it to an assistant coach on UC Upstate <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the wing, and I'm and Upstate took advantage and they beat us. They beat us good.
1: Yeah, congrats to them, man. I mean, really, I, I think they got a shot in their league to be pretty good if they if they play like that, they shoot like that. I like some of their pieces. The uh, a, a Yasa kid three point specialist. He if you leave him open, he's going to knock it down. Be nice to have one of those guys.
2: Me and, and and that's what, that's what me and you talked about last night. If you look at, if you look at teams around the league, and for a perfect example, if you look at the UConn Huskies last last year, they had two guys. They had two guys in Dawkins and I forgot the other one's name. I mean, it's just go out there, play some good defense, and give me a three ball. Three and D is huge, and the NBA is even bigger in college basketball. And do and can you confidently say we have a three and D guy?
1: You want Bayela to be that guy, but until he starts making the threes and defending consistently, that you know it's hard. To, you definitely don't. I mean that's just the reality. I, I you know the thing that that I'm sure drives the staff crazy is like the and Biela, They have flashes and they'll probably go out there Sunday and make three threes apiece, but then like there's the consistency is just so not there. So. I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, tough loss last night, things to work on. We'll get more into where the team goes from here. We'll also talk about the reality of not having BJ. How much does that change things? Cam Hayes will give you the update there if there is one. Also, to Corey Faison, the freshman, not there. We'll talk a little bit about the roster construction of the overall team and uh, how that can maybe be altered or you know how that impacts things going forward all right we'll get our first break in. we'll come back we'll have more basketball talk Casey and steven Igo here at 94.3 the game go. back to hoist the colors with steven Igo.
0: 194.3
1: the game welcome back into hoist the colors on this thursday edition of the show we got Casey and Ramele in studio our basketball insider we are Breaking down the Pirates' unfortunate loss to the USC Upstate Spartans. And we will talk football in a little bit. Mark Yellock will join us coming up shortly uh, to talk Navy and more as we catch up with the former ECU D-line coach. All right, Casey, we were talking during the break and a little bit in our first segment about just the roster as it stands right now. You know, we did a lot of off-season previews, and it was, uh, as Keith, by the way, on Facebook says, need to shoot closer to 80% from the line, at least high 70s. Yeah, that was a factor in the game last night, too. 19 of 31, 60% versus USC Upstate, 16 of 19, close to, uh, what, 80%. So that was, look, Ezra, 9 of 16, Jaden Walker, 2 of 5. Those are two guys who struggled from the line last year, and struggled at times last night Ezra has been a little better from the line but something needs to uh, something he needs to continue to work on anyways uh, back to my original point we were doing in the in the summer on the hoist of colors podcast breakdowns of each player and we were kind of looking ahead to the season we were looking ahead to the season and at that time basically you were last night you were without three guys that could have been impact players in our mind in the summer, when we were kind of looking at the thing. Brandon Johnson, of course. Definitely an impact guy. We expected Takore Faison as a freshman, given a you know, pretty amount of pretty good amount of hype to come and at least play a role. And also Cam Hayes, if he's eligible, is a what eight to ten point per game score. If not more. So you're without those three guys. I don't know what Takore's deal is. I I wouldn't count on him coming back. We don't know. Cam Hayes, you can't count on that. The NCAA has yet to make a ruling on his waiver. And then BJ being out. So, like, that's three scholarship players, and you only get 13 in basketball. All of a sudden, you're down to 10. And then you got guys who are freshmen, and Sierra Malonga and Callum Richard, who are still learning. The, then you're down to eight. So, it's just like, the all of a sudden, this team looks pretty short in depth. Uh, yeah, and I mean,
2: in this day and age in college basketball, that should not happen because essentially, every summer is free agency and go pick out the mercenaries, go pick out one or two year guys left to come in and serve that purpose. And I mean, yes, it's seen throughout the country with some coaches not wanting to use the portal. It's seen with ECU's Cliff Guywin here. He doesn't want those guys. He wants to develop. And also, when we talked to Davis and Swartz this summer, they basically said, we want to develop those guys. We want to see that growth. And... To their point, they've done a good job. Look at Brandon Johnson. Look at Ezra. Look at R.J. Felton. Look at Jada Walker. But also, at the same time, it's like, look,
1: you got to be a balance.
2: And and this is, look, they're great. They're, they're good players. But I mean, you're wasting a couple scholarships by not playing these guys when you could have gone out and honestly, like like for a clear example, we we talked about it. Go out and get a kid like Anthony. Anthony Del Orso from from Campbell, a score, pure score,
1: or even this a Yasa kid from or, uh, or even from upstate, he transferred from William or, and Mary, or even
2: this Karen and also we also talked about in the break how teams who are defensive minded go out and get defensive players. Outside of R.J. Felton and maybe Brandon Johnson, there aren't many other great defenders on this team. Yes, they're good, but I mean, but I mean, if you look at a team like. Virginia and Houston, they go out and get their guys that fit their mold. They're not worrying about you fitting in with them. They want to make sure that you're what they think they are, and you play defense, and that creates the offense. And when defense isn't played great, offense is not going to be created. Schwartz has said that in every single post game we've had because we asked about R.J. Felton's career high last Saturday, and he said – I think the reason he had his cry is because he was staying defensively because defense creates offense.
1: And how much of last night was ECU's offense was just RJ ISO taking over? I mean that was the majority of the offense and Ezra doing the same. And That's not the team ECU wants to be. They're not going to run away from those points but Look, I, I'm, I'm fine with recruiting freshmen. I mean, I, I think Sierra Malonga has a chance to be good in time. Uh, same with Callum Richard. And I I, I like the Sequoia face and sign. I mean, you got a local kid who's scoring like 30 points a game in high school. The problem is if you're going to do that, you got to find the balance too. So they took two transfers. The problem is Cam Hayes, we knew all along he may or may not be eligible. And then Bobby Petterford, who, again, I really like. Whether he scores or not, I think he makes a huge difference. With his passing, distribution, driving skills, but he's got an injury history, and even last night he was cramping. So, the two transfers you brought in weren't slam dunks as well. So, I don't know. It's just I don't know if they could. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and and there's still a lot to play out here. We still don't know what's going to happen with Cam. We don't know if Bobby will be able to stay healthy. Maybe by the end of the year, Sear is the is a is a stud. I don't know. There's a lot to play out, but. There's a lot of unknowns as well.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, ta- and I'm gonna go back to my last point. I'm not taking nothing away from the from the two freshmen or the people on the roster. They're on this roster for a reason. They're good players. Sports the staff likes them. But the point that I wanna say is how with this team now, with your core of RJ, Brandon, and Ezra, and I would honestly throw Jade and Bobby in there too. I, you're in a win now mode because those guys have proven they can go out and give. Three of them can go out and give you thirty a night. Three of them, and then Bobby has looked like an elite passer thus, thus far. Me and you talked about it last night. The office needs to be there, but if you're in a win now mode, I think you need to go out in the portal and get players that get players that are serviceable right now. And honestly, in honestly, in in my opinion, you're going to return two out of three of those next next year. I think Brandon R.J. coming back. I don't think I don't think Ezra returns, and I think. With that, I think that you're going to go out and you're going to get
1: players that can win now and get one or two graduate guys left to service. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you can't go get him right now in season. I definitely think this offseason you try to, and you either way, you should have Hayes available if he's not available. So that's another guy, you know, basically adding a transfer there uh, that's already on the roster knows the system, so that'll help, but. Right now, you have to find a way to accelerate the development of some of these guys, whether it's Sear, whether it's the Boonjay or Baila. If I'm Schwartz, I mean, I'm you have to challenge those guys right now and you basically say, hey, man, it's now or never. Like, this is your time, especially with Brandon. I don't think he'll play the next few games, uh, most likely, given what I've heard. So, I I mean – They've been challenged before, but this is their time, man. They've been in the program now going on 2 years. If you can't step up now, same thing with uh, you know, Val and, and Caleb. You just got to get more from those guys, Casey, if you want to, you know, continue to to push this thing forward.
2: I mean, we I mean, we said it earlier. If Ezra Ezra and RJ both had career highs and we lost, that just should not happen. And I mean, it's just those the wings are so crucial to this team. I'm going to throw Jaden in that wing category because he is. Jaden, Quentin, and Ben are the X factors that are going to make this team go because look, you have, you know what you have with RJ. You know what you have with Ezra. You know what you have with Brandon. But those three are wild cards. And it showed last night with, you don't know if they're going to show up and give you 10 to 15 each or show up in all three of them combined for eight. So you just don't know. And I mean, if I'll, I can say I can say this confidently. If all three of them are on and playing their game and playing right, ECU can be anyone in the country because
1: of how good Ezra, they can Brandon, all score thirty. Really, I mean, that's ninety points. That's not that's, all right. Not maybe not ninety. Re- that, realistically, not going to happen, but in
2: theory. But in but in my opinion, each of them are fifteen games of fifteen to twenty. So that so let's say that's around fifty ish points, which is which is a good amount in college basketball. And if, then if the three wings can give you eight or nine, I mean, that's around 70, 80 points right there. And that's a
1: win. And then you just got to defend. <laughs> and you got to
2: play defense.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Cason Romaley and and, Steve and I go here. Town Bank Holiday Classic coming up begins Sunday, Northeastern, and ECU will kick it off, tip it off, at 2 o'clock. And then ECU will take on Georgia Southern Saturday, then Kennesaw State Sunday. Northeastern one and two. They beat Boston sixty seven fifty eight. They lost at La Salle seventy nine seventy four, and then got crushed at Harvard eighty to fifty six. So versus good with a
2: good Harvard. Yeah, too.
1: Harvard's good. So I think Northeastern they went like ten and twenty last year. This should be a winnable game, but uh, look. We thought Upstate would be a winnable game. So we'll see how the next three days go. Three final thoughts uh, as we wrap up this segment. and what are you looking for at the Town Bank Holiday Classic? Three, I think three games in three days.
2: I think it's a great opportunity because you're going to be able to respond quickly with three games in three days tournament style. I do think that this is a major, major week for this program right now because you're coming off a bad loss, and then you have the opportunity to respond in three games in three days and get prepared for March.
1: How will they respond? We'll find out. I, I've got confidence in Schwartz. I think they will respond well, but we'll find out Sunday. And uh, through Tuesday, Town Bank Holiday Classic, Minji's Coliseum. Casey, appreciate the time, man. We'll get you on again next week, and we'll recap the Holiday Classic.
2: We'll recap a 3-0 weekend at the Holiday Classic.
1: <laughs> All right. He's calling a shot right there. He's Cason Romaley. I'm Stephen Igo. We'll come back. We'll switch gears. We'll talk football. Mark Yellock joins us on the other side and I'm due to sing the fight song. We finally have an East Carolina football win to talk about, so i got to get that done. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday.
0: What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me what's happening! Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game.
1: Welcome back in to Hoist the Colors on a Thursday. We just talked some basketball. Now we're going to refocus talk some football coach mark yellock he's back on the line it's been a while coach but hey you picked a good week to rejoin the show because we got a victory to talk about east carolina has won a football game feels uh feels much better doesn't
3: it yeah it's, it's good for those guys man to um to kind of get get the monkey off the back you know get some good things going for them um Especially after the two lane deal, I'm, I'm pretty sure they kind of felt like, gosh dang, if we're that close. And, you know, especially against a ranked team like that. So it was good to see a continuation of, of that game and correcting some things and playing good on defense and, and you know, and having some type of, you know, have some structure on offense and everything else.
1: Hey, you know what this means, right? I got to sing the fight song. Are you ready?
3: Well, you know, I, <laughs> hey, look, I, hey, though, know, we're ready. I, I already know it, buddy.
1: Uh, (laughs) let's do it on three then together. How about that? All right, here we go. All right. Three, two, one. Cheer for East Carolina. Cheer for ODC. We know we're the finest. finest. Homeward to victory. victory. Go go Pirates. Cheer for East Carolina. Cheer for ODC. Loyal and bold with a purple and gold. We are the Pirates of ECU. Hey, how was that? There you go
3: that's 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 good good that you read it off a sheet of paper right
1: now hey i know it by heart coach i grew up in greenville <laughs> i may have read it just so i didn't mess anything up i didn't oh, want to disrespect the fans out, out there i never no. thought when we started this show that Igo was going to sing on this show but that was awesome hey now we got it for the archive coach uh Hey, I just want to want to ask you uh, Coach Yolak if I, I don't know if you've ever experienced like a season quite like this. I guess you were on, on John Thompson's staff as the GA, so you kind of went through something. You know, th- they've been so close in every game, but the losses kept piling up. So like after a while, you know, it's got to be tough to go out there and practice for the players so to to taste victory like this. How much do you think that adds motivation for the final two games of the year? Well, it just
3: puts validation on it. I see it from both both standpoints. All right, as a player, you're saying, "Gosh dang, man, about time," you know. And um, on the on the coaching side, and also, also too, you, you, you kind of see on the player side to say, "Okay, we just got to keep on following what the coaches are saying because they're, they, they, they were close throughout the whole year." Now, again, there were some games that that was kind of like you know got out of hand later on, but for the most part, you kind of saw them in game you know, throughout the year. In my opinion, I'm just looking at it from the coaching perspective. It's just, remember we had talked about in the past, you can go back in the archives, as you you call it, you can see that I I mentioned that learning how to win the game is where they're struggling at at some point. Like, you know, you see F-State, you know, they get up on them and then they give up those, you know, right before the half points and then after the half points and then all of a sudden now they get, you know, now it's, you know, they they. App State takes control. You know, you see, you know, it just—you can look at all these different games. You can see where the talent is there in certain pla- in certain places, and it's just the fact of just just learning to win the game as a as a team, and, and with that particular team, is what they struggle with this year, based upon what who they have on, on on the roster. So it was really good to see that they kind of. got, And then people don't understand. I think a pretty good football team. They got some good athletes. Um, and um, so, it was really good to see them kind of have some success and kind of, kind of win that deal. So it, it, it puts some validation, especially towards the end of the year, kind of carries you over, especially coming into the, this next game going against Navy, who's kind of struggling on offense a little bit. Um, they, this is almost like they're kind of carbon copy of each other. Kind of both teams kind of struggle on offense a little bit, and, but their defense is pretty, pretty, pretty solid. You know.
1: Mark Gellick is with us, former ECU defensive lineman, also former ECU D-line coach, and uh, we'll get into Navy here in a second, Coach. But just want to get your perspective on the, the defense to this point, playing as well as they have, and kind of as a defensive coach, what are your thoughts on what has led to this success and also... You know, they held FAU to 172 yards. I mean, clearly you got to do something right. FAU coming off a game where they just scored 42, had nearly 500 yards of offense. So what is making this defense at ECU so successful right now?
3: Well, here's the thing. I, I, I look at it this way. I think it's attitude. Um, I think it's a refocus from that staff and from the players. Because it always starts from the staff and the, and the game plan that they, they develop and then the kids got to perform it, right? Um and just 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 be real with the situation. When they played against USC Charlotte, I thought that was, I thought that that was probably one of their worst games um, defensively. Um, and then ever since then, they kind of picked it up. You can saw a refocus from 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 staff all the way to the players um, on how to reevaluate things. Now again, they they played pretty. You know, they played good and consistent throughout the year. There's some things that they probably can get better at. If, if, you know, this is coaching talk. But I thought that they did after that UC Charlotte game, and I thought they retooled and they they kind of knuckled down and they got better. Um, and, it, and it's good to see that. And I think that's what they're going to have to do and to continue on for the rest of the season. And, and they got a bunch of young guys and some guys that are coming back. And that's good. And um, for next year, and I hate to call it say next year, but yeah, for, for next year, I thought I thought that was a I thought that was a, a really good to see them kind of like rebound off off of that. And this, this is just my opinion off the U S C Charlotte look, and that's just me looking at it and seeing all the games and and, and kind of evaluating it from that.
1: Yeah, I mean that was an interesting game because Charlotte ran a lot of option and ECU, you know, struggled with it. They only gave up, uh, you know, at what. 10, uh, 13 points or so, but, you know, obviously struggled to, to get off the field at times. And um, it,
3: it was just a field position. Right. It. You know, it was just like, you know, they, UNC Charlotte was getting them in, um, you know, they were getting them in third and medium and third and short type situations, and they were just getting them, you know, just they just couldn't get off the field at the right time. And again, and, and, and it wasn't, like I said, I say this in the sense of, you're right, it wasn't like USC Charlotte, put up fifty points on them. It was just that it just seemed like they played uncharacteristic compared to the other games that we saw throughout the year.
1: In the most recent game, Coach, the, the biggest difference I noticed was ECU didn't have to blitz to get pressure. They were consistently winning one on one up front, which, you know, this defensive line has done really well against the run, but to get consistent pass rush from your down linemen, it just it makes such a difference. So how much do you think the development of those guys in that category Opens up the playbook for Coach Errol.
3: I think it's first of all, you know, and I look at it from a coach's perspective. When you, when you, when you go and you and you on Sunday, when you're looking at the opponent that you're facing, you, you you kind of see the personnel and you see matchups. You know, all right, I'm I'm going to try to put my best guy on your worst guy. I'm going to try to put my best defensive lineman on your worst defensive lineman. I mean, on the worst offensive lineman. So, so. And then you kind of go from there, right? And if you think that it's, you know, even all across the board, then you say, well, we may have to add this person in kind of attack the protection more because we're not going to be able to play. We're not going to be able to win on a four-man rush consistently, you know? So so I guess in this game, they felt that they had the matchups they liked, and they kind of dialed up on the protections that they had, and they, they attacked the protections, and attacked their individual matchups, and it was favorable in, in, in ECUA, and... And that's kind of how it worked out. It's a credit to the coaches to put these kids in the position. And also, it's a credit to these kids to to perform and to execute. Because, you know, as, as we all know, you can put people – you can have a great plan, but if it ain't executed the right way, you know, it looks like you don't know what you're doing. You know, so I think the kids did a good job of executing the plan and following – and people making competitive plays and, make, and kids making tackles. You saw the, you saw the energy in, the, in that game, too. They, they were really – that they were really flying around and playing with really great energy, and that's, that, that was really good. And they've been doing that all year long, but it, it, it kind of fed off onto on, on everybody else too.
1: Mark Yellick is with us, Coach. It is Navy Week, so if you're ECU, you didn't get much time to celebrate the win because this is a different beast this week. You've gone against this this triple option a little bit different now. They're doing some shotgun stuff. They're also they will go under zone with the uh, under center with the traditional. Look as well, and uh, just how much of a challenge is this week for the coaching staff and players?
3: Well, the first challenge is is that you know they know each other. You know, Coach Houston knows New, um, Coach Newberry, and I, I know Coach Newberry. Me, me and him work we worked together um, many moons ago when he was at Elon, and you know he's a great, great respect him a lot. He's a great coach. I'm glad to see him have this opportunity for him to be able to take over this program and, and put his finger into the, into into what he's doing. Um, but um, I think the the biggest challenge is number one. They, they both know each other. <laughs> you know, they know each other's defense. They know because you know it's very similar. Uh, I don't know if it's the exact same, but it's, it's it's from the same tree. Um, and so so they they know each other. I think what it really boils down to is just that it's the same thing that they did before. I always come to this same perspective. I think I them the same each week. I think that it's not about what Navy does. It's about ECU. It's about, can you make tackles? And also, because you know that they're going to be, they're decent on defense now. Navy is. And the offense is going to have to um, score. Because if you look at the Navy games, it's, it's been low-scoring games. Now, I don't know what they did last week. I didn't follow them last week and what they did last week. Um, but I know in the last couple of games that I've watched them play, it's been low-scoring games, and they're either they're, they're winning at the very end, fourth quarter, they score a touchdown and win, you know, 10-13 or, you know, 10-17, some, something to that extent where they kind of, like, starve it out on their offense and they hopefully get field position and they're scoring, like it's better, the Navy will score and win the game. Um, so it, I think it's really going to be back down to the, the, the offense keeping consistency and scoring some points and and the defense getting off the field and, and, and trying to make it a situation where it's more third and long situations than it is third and short and fourth and one and those type of things because you know they're going to go for those things.
1: Yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, this past weekend, it, they were, it was a 10-6 to 6 game going through the fourth quarter against UAB in Annapolis. Navy did score 21 unanswered, including a pick six to – Pull away, 31-6. They lost at Temple, 32-18. They lost to Air Force, 17-6. Beat Charlotte, 14-0. Hit two big plays. Beat North Texas, 27-24. So, I mean, all of these games, Coach, basically coming down to the fourth quarter, we know ECU has basically been in every game in the fourth quarter. So, more than likely, this is going to be a four-quarter game. And you kind of hit on it there. But if you're ECU, avoid giving up the big explosive play from the option Maybe not give up the the turnover that changes field position. How important are those things in a game like this? You got to be on the right side of those things, right?
3: Right, and I would say this too. Here's the thing that that people don't understand. Like, but like, like Blake Harrell was at Kennesaw State. And That's what they ran triple option. So this staff knows the triple option. They know how to defend it. They when their younger years in coaching, they they went against the thing. You know, so, you know, even – I remember when Coach Houston was at Citadel and and I remember Trip Weaver would come up and talk to us when we were at ECU and, and, and they would talk about triple option stuff. So, it, it, it's not like Coach Houston don't know how – and the staff don't know how to defend this, this offense. They faced this offense in their past career, you know, past places many times. So, then, like you said, it, it really comes down – they'll have a great plan – to go against it, this is not something where, you know, I would say when we were here at ECU, you know, we didn't have anybody that was on triple option stuff. But now we had faced it. I had faced it when I was at Walford, but it was a different beast going against Navy because it was more of a graduated sense of it, you know, because they ran they ran a more complicated offense compared to what Walford and, and teams that I had faced in the past. And, and and so it's a they 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 are very familiar with with the Navy offense and what they're running you know so i think that i think that it, it comes down to just basic football stuff you know blocking tackling making competitive catches um uh, and and and, and making open field tackles and and making sure that you're 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 on 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 offense staying ahead of the chain so you can keep it to a short um you know third and minimum or and on defense keeping them to a third and long situation like i mentioned before
1: you mentioned the, the familiarity, the O.C. at Navy now, uh, Chestnut. He was at Kennesaw State, like you said, when Blake Carroll was there. So, the, again, these guys know each other well. Coach Houston Newberry, is coached the option. Because, yeah, Newberry. So, like, f- how much of the hired, first quarter
3: – he hired Blake Harrell.
1: Yeah, so how much of the first quarter is going to be, like, a filling out process and then an adjustment from there? Like, do you feel like maybe you, you, those first couple of series, Navy sees how ECU is playing the option and, and vice versa – uh, and you know, kind of adjust from there. Like their first quarter might be kind of a situation where they're filling each other out.
3: Well, I don't, I don't think. I think that it'd be more Navy trying to figure fill out what what ECU doing. I think that's what they traditionally that type of offense does. I think that they, they try to figure out, all right, all right, well, how do they plan it? How you know, and what angles can we go? And what's the what's our next next adjustment? That's what Navy and those triple option type teams do. All right, you you're gonna play one high against us. All right, so we're gonna do this. All right, you you rotate the safeties like this, so we're gonna crack crack you, crack the safety. You know, so they they have the answers within their system. Um, so I think on Navy side, they're gonna just do what they you know, they're gonna kind of fill it out. I think on on, on the East side, of course, they're gonna to try to they know some of the top plays that they've been doing because they're 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 practicing you know on the defensive side. East use defense is is practicing on their top plays. Um, I think offensive-wise, ECU-wise, they just got to go in and attack because they've seen that type of defense before. So it's not like they have not seen, you know, saying seeing some of that stuff that they've been, they, they've been doing. So they've just got to execute, you know? So I think it's more, ECU could be more, on offense could be more aggressive because they, they kind of know. Um, I think more so maybe doing more of the adjustment type of thing to what, ECU's defense is going to do, and then they're kind of counter If you look at it, just look at how the games have been going for them throughout the year. You know what I'm saying? Fourth quarter, all of a sudden, they've now started scoring a lot of points. They're just now getting adjusted, and they say, oh, they're getting into this kind of rut on defense, so we're going to attack them this way. That's how you see them scoring points towards the end of the game.
1: He is Mark Yellowk, former ECU D-line coach and defensive lineman for the Pirates. Coach, we appreciate the time on today's program hopefully we can get you back on next week and i'll be singing the fight song again with you
3: yeah exactly right i, I, I like i like this little tradition we're doing here let's, let's keep this going
1: yeah we'll keep it going hey, as long as it works man we need some w's around here but uh we appreciate it coach as always thanks for your insight always fun to catch up with you we'll talk to you next time no problem appreciate you go pirate all right there's mark Yellock. let's get our final break in on this thursday show we'll be right back this is a hoist of colors
0: Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is
1: Hoist the Colors with Stephen and Igo on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into the show, wrapping things up on this Thursday edition of Hoist the Colors. We said goodbye to Cason Romaley earlier, but turns out he's still here. He just can't get enough, and he's gonna he's gonna flip from basketball to football analyst. Cason got about a minute left in the show. What do you think? Can the Pirates get it done? in annapolis on saturday we're making the trip together Five thirty yeah. departure time a.m on that's saturday right. so it's gonna be a long day
2: i think the pirates get it done i'm really looking forward to navy on senior day that's an atmosphere like no other in the country and i think ecu will score on one of its three possessions the entire game <laughs> and win the game so
1: so a three possession game
2: i'm i'll i'll put the, realistically i'll put it at six and a half but yeah six three of th- three of them will be in navy territory so
1: it, yeah, it's all going to basically come down to to turnovers and big plays because I don't see either offense sustaining a whole lot of drives. And uh, we'll see, man. East Carolina and Navy, 12 noon kickoff on Saturday. Casey, appreciate it again. This is truly goodbye this time.
2: This is truly goodbye. I'll see you at 5 a.m. on Saturday.
1: 5 a.m., we will be departing the Igo household bright and early come uh come saturday it's going to be a long day hopefully the pirates win to make it worth our while all right tomorrow we will have joe sampson on for the first time this week we'll have philip Pilkington on as well we'll make all our weekly game picks i was great in college last week terrible in the national football league i don't think i got a single game right in the nfl but the broncos won and that's all that matters because they are in the hunt for the afc playoffs All right, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Joe's crappy jets. We'll talk about the helpless Panthers as well tomorrow, and we'll preview ECU and Navy. Until then, we will see you at 12 noon on Friday. This has been Hoist the Collars with your host,
0: Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Collars on 943 The Game.